0: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Inglis, number one in its field.
1: People who are constantly around horses live with the realisation that accidents can happen without warning, and when they do, all the experience in the world is of little use. Few horse people in Australia have had more to do with horses than champion Victorian trainer driver Jody Quinlan who on Christmas Eve was involved in a freak accident in the float parking area at Melton. Jodie was doing what most trots trainers do when they arrive at the track. She was pushing a sulky laden with gear and leading a trotter called Illawong Buzz. The horse suddenly lunged forward, knocked her to the ground now, one of the sulky shafts appeared to touch the horse on the shoulder or on the rib cage, which caused him to run to the side of the gig, and as he did, he delivered a savage cow kick to the stricken Jody. Result? A lacerated kidney and fractures to the L1, L2 and L3 vertebrae. She's out of hospital, she's very sore, and she's very sorry – but has graciously consented to talk to us today on the podcast. Jodie Quinlan, welcome and thank you for making the effort.
0: No worries, Tappy. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Well, Jody, you've been around horses, dare I say, for 27 or 28 years. You've driven in thousands of races, but this is the worst accident you've ever had on the ground.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, I've been very fortunate. Um, I was licensed when I was 16, and I've got to say this is the first time I've um, I've been seriously hurt on the ground. I mean, I've had a share of falls in races and out of the sulky, but, yeah, this is um, this is probably one of the worst to my body, but, um, yeah, first time as far as handling horses.
1: Now, Jode, we can't have any swearing on the podcast, <laughs> so I'm running a bit of a risk in asking you to tell me about this horse. Illawong Buzz. He's a maiden trotter and you tell me that you'd seen indications prior that he did have a nasty streak in him.
0: Yeah, look, Tappy, when he comes to me after being broken in from Cameron Mag, he um he was a cold at the time and he, uh, he'd go out and he'd just lay down on the ground. So, we galloped him, got him over that, and he sort of—he's always been a little bit inclined to sort of savage other horses. Jogging along, if you put him in the cart, you can't sort of—you got to put some blocks on him to lead him. If they get up behind him, he, mm. he'll have a kick and that sort of thing. You can't spray him with any sprays or anything. He'll have a go at you. Um, as far as training him in the cart, he's—he's he's, he's not too bad, um, but he, he's just got that bit of a streak in. He's just—he's got a bit of dirt in him, really.
1: Hmm. what are your memories of the incident? Do, do you recall much about it?
0: Yeah, I do. Um. I was conscious the whole time. Um, my mum and I took two horses there and we took them off the float and mum took the first one and waited until I got Buzz off the float and I got him off the float, turned him around, picked up the sulky and he proceeded to follow me. Um, there's some CCTV vision of it and he, he put his head up at one stage and I, I pulled him forward and he stepped forward with me and I just turned to push the sulky in the direction that we were going and either the sulky touched him, he, I felt him contact the back of me like he was going to run over me mm. and as he touched me all the sulky he just turned and just absolutely cow kicked and on the footage you can see he's just given me absolutely full bore the full length of his leg and mm. got me right across the back in that fair in the kidney mm. dropped me dropped me straight to my knees and then I somehow of oh, oh, somersaulted and done a bit of acrobat so I don't know what I did do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were pretty worried about that kidney for a few days
0: yeah, when it initially happened, I really thought I'd broken my hip because of all the falls, I always try and get up in the race falls and stuff I've ever had, so Mum knows I'm at least alive. And this was the first time I, I couldn't get up, and I just said, oh, my hip, I've broken my hip. Um, mm. But obviously that was the the massive impact, and, and, it, and it's lacerated my kidney immediately.
1: Mm. Well, they're telling you three months off, Jode. Uh, you won't cop that very sweet at all. But during that time, you'll be able to reflect on a wonderful career. As a driver, you've won about 2,300 races. That must be pretty hard to get your head around.
0: Yeah, it's a lot, Tappy, and I sort of haven't realised until I've, I've slowed down in the past probably four years, I suppose, and concentrated more on training and that. And my days of travelling are sort of done. I'm, I'm happy to sort of stay at home and enjoy what I do now, just training my own and craigs and and sort of being with my mum and stuff and enjoying life a bit more um but that figure like when i got i was wrapped to get to 2000 and anything over that was sort of just a bonus but um when you see a lot of these jockeys that there's a fellow the other day that had driven 500 winners and that and i sort of think wow he's he's a good jockey and Mm. he's ridden 500 winners and and i've sort of driven 2000 i'm not a statistical sort of person but um Mm. i'm pretty proud of that figure yep
1: Jody, let's go back a bit. As a teenager, your loyalties must have been divided between thoroughbreds and standardbreds because your dad trained gallopers, two of your uncles trained harness horses, and you actually rode track work early on. Were there ever any thoughts of becoming a jockey?
0: Um Probably not really, Happy If I had my time over again, the situation was different, possibly. Um, my dad was always very sick when I was young, and um, he passed away when I was 15, so I sort of only got to sort of warm him up in the ring at, at Mornington, and, and I rode one one morning on the big sand and that, and mm. I couldn't walk for three days afterwards, and I thought, gee, that's pretty tough, God. Yeah. Um, and because dad was so sick, mum did a good job. Like She um, she took the horses to the track of a morning and stuff like that, and I used to go with her. And, I'd sleep in the car until I had to go to school and, um, and you know, it, it was pretty tough, tough sort of making ends meet there for mum and that, but um, I always had the trotters in the background with my two uncles and the trotters were just a little bit easier to handle and Gary was always on the farm with my grandfather and stuff and um, that, I always liked to get up to the farm every opportunity I sort of had and mm. uh, on the weekends from school, that's where I would head. So I sort of had a lot more hands-on with the trotters um, more so, and that's what way I sort of swayed, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, your uncles were Jeff Walker and Gary Quinlan, and it was Uncle Jeff who trained your first winner, a horse called Zephyr Lad. The race was uh, at Cranbourne, is that right? Uh, it was
0: actually um, Uncle Gary, yeah. Uncle Jeff gave me my first drive. In on a, a race. horse called Highland Bomber, yeah, and he, Uncle Jeff carded me all over the place. Um, mm. He bought the horse as a present for my auntie Leanne and the horse was no good so his his goal in life was to cart me around and teach me to drive and I'd get get out of school in my school dress and he'd cart me to Wangaratta and everywhere Mm. and um, he taught me heaps but my first winner I think was at about my fifth drive and that was for Uncle Gary a horse that my grandfather part owned
1: Zephyr lad and the race was at Cranbourne Correct Now, in those early days, you had a monumental battle with nerves. I can't believe this uh, when I look at you today, Jody. You get out there, you're confident, you're aggressive, you're very competitive, but back then, your nerves would wreak havoc with you. Uh, Absolutely. To to the point of being physically ill on on occasions, weren't you? Yeah, yeah.
0: Look, I remember one day I was coming out at Cranbourne and driving a horse and and I was dry reaching on a dust sheet and Uncle Jeff said to my wife, oh, you can't send her out, She just can't do this. And Mum said, she'll be right once she gets out there. And I suffered from nerves terribly and I think because I was still at school, Mum wanted me to go through and she was adamant that I did my VCE, which I'm sort of glad she did because I've learned how to run a business and that sort of thing and I didn't have any trouble sort of getting through school. And, mm. um, but because I wasn't driving consistently and I'd have one drive here and then not drive for two months or whatever it might have been, mm. I wasn't consistently driving. So every time I drove, it was like I was having my first drive, and, and that didn't help until I got going, but I suffered terribly from nerves.
1: Mm. So you just slowly got on top of it?
0: Yeah, I did. Look, the more times I went around, um, and then when I left school and sort of got driving a bit more, it just became sort of a lot easier, and mm. and it was just part of what you did.
1: The first horse to bring you under notice in the game was our Miller's Road. You won a lot of races behind this bloke, including a Geelong Cup and a Cranbourne Cup.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, he was trained by a fellow called Les Hammond down Geelong Way, and just had to be one night that he rang and asked, I had a claim at the time, so it was a very long time ago, and he asked me to drive him with a claim at Mooney Valley, and the horse just ran for me, and I won on him, and Mm. and then again, and he just left me on him. I was I was still a kid driving him, and he put me on in all those good races, and um, he really put me on the map early on, and Uncle Gary, he sort of had some nice sort of country horses, um, and I sort of got going a bit, and then as I sort of got a few on my own, and then I hooked up with Merv Williamson mm. and old Doc Williamson. Um, they had quite a big team when I shifted from Druin to Melton. I think that shift was the the part in my life that where I then went forward because I could drive a lot more. Um, I was exposed to a lot more trials and races and things like that and mm. and have gave me a very good opportunity. They had some nice horses that they imported from New Zealand and I sort of kicked along from there.
1: Harley Hanover was a good horse for you. Cyclone George was another beauty. And what about... Pete's Dream, Jody. I can still see you winning the Group One Ladyship Mile at Harold Park on Pete's Dream. Was that your first Group One?
0: Yeah, I think it probably was. Um, that one will always be special to me. I mean, Sochiola takes the cake, but Pete's Dream was our family family involvement with the horse. Gary trained it, and to win a big race like that in the atmosphere at Harold Park, um, that was. That was something that I that I'll never forget and the fact that Gary trained it that was
1: pretty special. You just mentioned the magic word sokiola. The yeah. supreme highlight of your career was that unforgettable night at Harold Park when you won the Miracle Mile. His trainer driver, Lance Justice, was suspended and you got the drive under the terms of a promise made to you by the horse's owner Colin Croft. How did it happen, Jody?
0: Yeah, well, at the time I was, um, I was actually going out as one of the gas boys, and I was around Andy gasing and that a lot, and, and Glenn at the time, and um, Colin had horses at Andy's, and that's just how I stumbled across him, and I was sort of giving him a hand out there, and mm. and Colin just said one day we'd always go down to Melton for lunch, and he'd come over and stay with Lance, and he had some horses in both stables, and he just said to me one day I, he'd come out and he handed me the keys to his car, and it was a beautiful black Mercedes two door sports. Mm. car and he said, oh, you can drive down, Jody." and I said, oh, God, Colin, I can't drive that car, and he said, oh, you'll be right, oh. and he said, one day I'll give you a drive on a good horse too, and true to his word, he did that.
1: He certainly did. You know, on the night, Jode, I remember there was a lot of speculation that you might get crossed by a West Aussie mare called Sand Pebbles, but that was never, ever going to happen.
0: No, that's right, Tappy, it was sort of, I mean, it was my first time really in the spotlight in a big race like that, and I wasn't that old, and I remember sitting at home watching the draw and on Sky Channel, and I think it was Greg Hayes got on and said, oh, you know, it's a bit of speculation as to who's going to drive this horse Sokiola because if he draws wide, they may opt to put a stronger driver on. Well, I was just sitting there in my lounge and absolutely gutted, and I thought, oh, my God. Mm. and um, next minute the phone rings and it's Colin Croft. He said, "Joey, don't you worry about what they say. You'll be driving that horse and that's it. So mm. um, don't worry. I'll, I'm a fairly determined person when I set my mind to it and I, there was only one thing I wanted to do and that was lead and prove them that I was, you know, the right person for the job.
1: That wasn't the only time you drove Sokiola. I think you had a total of six goes and you won five of them.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um... The only time I got beat on him was in the Kilmore Cup. I think he sat parked and he may have ran third or something from memory. But, um, yeah, look, he was a great horse to me. I thought my uncle's horses were good horses and Harley Hanover's and horses like that. But when you get on a horse like Soki Ola, who's a true grand circuit horse, um, he was just a league above him. He'll always be a champion in my eyes. I mean, I used to win on him and people would say, "Ah, geez, if I could have got to you quicker, I would have beat you. And i just look at him and I'd grin and say, it's one thing to get to Stokey, but it's another thing to get past him, and, and he,
1: he was just a bulldog. Jody, I'll just get you to stand by there for a moment whilst we clear a commitment on the podcast. Back in just a moment. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends it's easy affordable and action-packed so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round my special guest champion victorian trainer driver jody quinlan currently on the sidelines nursing some nasty injuries Now, Joe, let's look at some of the other horses who've helped you drive more than 2,000 winners. Save Some Time to Dream, trained by Paul Rouse, and uh, didn't you have some fun with this old bloke? I think you won 14 races with him.
0: Yeah, that's right, Taffy. I was really lucky to um, drive for Ballarat CEO, Paul Rouse. Um, He's always been good to me and saved some time to dream. He was a good horse, and I think... Old decorated um, Jasper He was even better and I won a lot of Country Cups on both those horses and was fortunate Enough to stick with them the majority Of their racing career and, and they were great Horses to me.
1: You won a Bendigo Cup on decorated Jasper. I was looking at the result The other day Joe. Gee, beat a good Field that night
0: Yeah he did. Um, it's amazing How you look back through these fields and you see The likes of Jasper and the horses he beat And you look at Sokey and the horses That he beat in the Miracle Mile um you know, there was just there wasn't just one or two good horses in those races. There was half a dozen, you know, and mm. they were just so strong. Those races.
1: Now, Merv Williamson is a trainer uh, with whom you've had a lot of success, and he had a very good trotter, and one that you had great personal liking for. I didn't do it.
0: Yeah, he was a great horse. He um he he done some damage to my body throughout his career. He was the hardest puller. Oh, geez, he could pull really hard, and he used to wear a chain and. Mm. And I remember Graham Lang saying to me one day, geez, Jody, horses don't pull like that and keep going. He said he's one of very few, and, and that was just the horse. He just used to pull, and, and Merv tried snake bits and all sorts of things to help me hold him. I remember getting off him one day and saying to Merv, I don't know if I can keep driving this horse. And Merv, he just pulls me neck to pieces hanging on to him, and mm. geez, he was a good horse, and I won some great races on him, and he's his, his gait speed. He had great gait speed, and he, he was just a buzz to drive. Mm.
1: He never gave yeah. the pulling away, though, Jody. He did it right through, did he?
0: Yep, always life.
1: Mm. In more recent times, you've been driving your partner Craig's good horse, my Kiwi mate. You've won a lot of races with him.
0: Yeah, he's a lovely little horse, Kiwi. Um, I've been lucky that um, Craig and I have, have had our hands on some really nice horses, and he's probably the best, one of the best ones he's had. But he's had a lot of mares along the way, for Alexis, Christian, Melody, that we've. Won a lot of country cups with Um, Kiwi's a pick of him. He's an exceptional speed horse, a little bit one-dimensional, but he's very, very quick, Um, and we've had a lot of fun with him since Craig went over and picked him out from New Zealand, and he's really done a good job
1: for him. I know you got an enormous thrill to win the Redwood Trotting Classic on a horse called Illawong Byron, a two-year-old. I think you beat a, a very smart one trained by Mark Purden on the day.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, Mark's horse was um, favourite at the time, and and Byron, he he was a good juvenile. He was in a, you know the first two-year-old race. And I think he he raced in the last Breeders' Crown two-year-old race. So he did a massive job as a two-year-old, and um, to win that race and beat Mark and lead all the way. And I was there with a lot of my friends, and yeah, it was a great thrill just to train and and drive a a Redwood winner. It's such a prestigious race. It's it's things people. Try and do in their life, and sometimes it never happens. And to be able to do that was a great thrill.
1: And you trained and drove a trotters derby winner, Sunset Invasion.
0: Yeah, Sunset Invasion come to me from um, Dave Garbett and he was a really good horse. He he had a throat problem in the end, and um, but look, he he just he just done sort of wonders when I got him, and he just kept improving all the time. He was strong, he was quick. Um, Yeah, I can't believe, Taffy, that I've won so many group races with trotters because I was a bit like my Uncle Gary. I used to say bloody trotters, which I still do to this day, but um, (laughs) they really do your head in training them, and one day you go out and drive them, and they they trot. next day you go out and they gallop, and I remember Uncle Jeff always saying to me, he was great with a trotter, Uncle Jeff, and he'd say, just race it. Just go out, work it, don't worry about what it does, take it to the races and just race it. And mm. um, you're, forever, you're forever just learning all the time off trotters, but I just can't believe the success I've had with them because I, I've mm. never been a great lover of the trotter, but um, now half my team is probably trotters.
1: Yeah. Now tell me about another trotter, Illawong Armstrong. He's now a seven-year-old. <laughs> He's still a silly horse. He's won 18 races, Jody, and it should have been 28. He's a nutcase. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he is, and he is, and Taffy, I love him. He's one of my favorites, and um, even last night he went to the races, and I tried to get out of the house to go and see him, and mum, no one would take me, so I eventually got to the back door, and Craig drove over with a float, and I walked out. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I need to see Armstrong, and he opened the door of the float, and he was just looking straight ahead, and I said, Armstrong, Armstrong, what are you doing? And he just turned around, and Craig just shook his head. He said, he's a spoiled Um, But I just love him He's he's special to me Like I say I've driven Mm. some good trotters But from point to point speed He just was freaky He's running the Breeders' Crown against Speeding Spur When he ran second As I think a three year old was just outstanding And Mm. John Dickey came up to me and congratulated me I said John I didn't win He said that horse just went amazing Mm. Um, He's been a super little horse Look he's won over 200,000 He probably should have won 400 But early on his manners let him down badly Yeah Um, but, yeah, look, he, he's a pet. He's very special to myself and, and Martin, one of my greatest supporters in Dr. Martin Hartner that owns all these long horses. And, hmm. um, look, he's getting to the end of his tether now. I was fortunate that I got him into the Dominion Heats and I thought he deserved his spot there because he's been in every Group 1 juvenile race since he was two. And, yeah, he's going to be a hard horse to replace.
1: Now, Jody, he was at the centre of a positive swab case in 2015 after running second in the New South Wales Trotters Derby. He tested positive to chlorpheniramine and iramine. He, he tested positive to two substances described as class three drugs. Now, not only had you never heard of them, you couldn't even pronounce the names.
0: Oh, that's right, Tappy. Look, that was one of the lowest points of my career. And still to this day, it's doesn't sit well with me. Um, I'm always a person that wears my heart on my sleeve and I turn my horses out hoping that they reflect me. I like them to look good even if they're not the best horses in ability but I expect them to look good and that's how I like to present myself, my horses and my property and look, what happened to me with that, I was absolutely gutted at one point. I I really was ready to throw my license in because of how it happened. Um, I left home with that horse and I knew Reed Sanders was a was a hierarchy up there and I remember disinfecting the float, packing my feed, my water, and my lasses and everything Craig and I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm disinfecting the float. He said, you're paranoid and I said, yeah, well I've seen what Reed Sanders is doing up there. I said, I'm not leaving any stone unturned anyway. Mm-hmm. I took off. I went from here. I stayed at Tarcutta. Then I went to Jimmy Brown's to Menangle and the horse returned the positive to positive It had the, um, the parent drug in it, um, which Resulted that they said that he'd been in up to 24 hours. It was a contaminant level. They told me it was equivalent to a urination in the Olympic pool, which was really disappointing. It was 0.5 of a nanogram, the level in the horse. Mm. Um, Having the having the parent drug in him meant that he he contacted up within 24 hours, which put me at tar cutter. Mm. Um, How it got there to this day, I'll never know. But one of the lowest points of my life.
1: Well, Joe, at the moment, you've got 20 horses in work. Craig has 15. You both train your horses independently, you, although you drive most of Craig's in uh, the races. Now, you two shouldn't bicker, but speculation is rife that you do disagree on occasions.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's a known fact, Tappy. Um, look, we're great mates, sort of also off the track. It, I think if we're both on the track, we try and beat each other no matter where we are. He's very competitive and I'm very competitive and it's not my nature really to lay down and and nor is it his. So We do clash a lot in the barn. Um, I always say if I didn't have to work in the barn with him, we'd have the greatest relationship. But um, look, we bounce off each other. We do help each other um, with ideas and things. And um, Look, we train our own way. I feed and train mine. He feeds and trains his differently. Um, And we throw ideas at each other and you know, we do we do work together, even though, um, yeah, we do we do blow a bit, but it's always in the shed, and it's generally sort of over horses. Or I'll say, oh, I think it's doing this, and you'll say, No, it's not, and yeah. I'll say, Okay. So yeah, it, it goes a bit both ways.
1: <laughs> Joe, the doctors say you really should give those injuries three months, and I know you will. But there'll be tough days when you start to feel better, and Craig won't want to look sideways at you.
0: Yeah, um, I must say Tappy he's been very good. I think to see me how I've been, I, I've I've had trouble with pain management with this. I've I've had a lot of injuries and falls in the past, and I've had head injuries and broken broken ankles and things. And and look, the pain I've had with this kidney has been second to none of what I've experienced. And Craig's sort of, I think it's it's really um, opened his eyes as to what's happened to me. I know he's just absolutely disgusted to know what the horse did to me and it's only taken me until yesterday to get him what to watch the footies because he just refused to because it just upset him so much that the horse sort of would do that and I guess that it, it's mm. hurt me so it hurts him but um, mm. look he's he's helped me he's tried to shower me and um, he's really sort of helped that way and, and my mum like if it wasn't for her I wouldn't be home here yeah. um, she's my rock and um, you know he's really stepped up to the mark I guess he sort of just doesn't have a choice but it's going to be tough for him too because he likes me to drive the horses and I like him to drive them when I can't. And, mm. um, sometimes he's not fussed about driving and he will put other people on, which I don't really like him to do. But, um, mm. you know, it's going to be a tough road for him as well as me for three months. He's, he's got to carry the burden of all the horses out there and, um, it's tough for me to sit here and watch out the kitchen window. But, um, mm. I'm just going to have to do it. Um, I was told that I'm very lucky. Um, to get out of it with what I have looked that my um, kidney injury is a very serious one. Um, and at one stage, I, I must say, I was petrified to think that I could lose it. Um, but so far, so good, I haven't had to have any surgery or anything like that. So I've got to give it the time to rest. Um, as much as I said to mum yesterday, oh, I reckon I might be out there in a month. She said, no, you won't be. Um, so they tell me six weeks, um, you know, and then I might be able to sort of venture around sort of a bit, but um, mm. I've got to have bed rest for another week and just sort
1: of play it out as it goes. But they're talking three months before I'll be back driving. Yeah. Joe, the late Merv Williamson Senior, uh, father of the trainer, was a highly regarded veterinary surgeon with whom you formed a terrific friendship, and I know he was a great inspiration. Now, he taught you how to scope horses. He taught you how to read blood profiles. What a terrific help in your training career.
0: Absolutely Taffy, um, old Doc he was um, someone that I idolised um, I was fortunate enough when I shifted from Druin over to Melton I ended up at at um, the two Mervs places and uh, mm. old Doc just happened to be a vet, I didn't sort of know much about him at the time but look he he took me under his wing like his daughter and uh, and he was there with me every day and he he showed me injecting horses and joints and scoping horses, and to me, in my eyes, he read a blood like no other, you know, he could find things in blood tests that mm. other people couldn't, and he's, he's tried to teach me a lot of that, I can't read it to the fine line that he could, but I can read one fairly well, he, he used to say to me, oh dear, I think I've taught you too well, love you say, so. yeah. but um, yeah, he was fantastic to me, Um, I was under him sort of for about five years, and even when he went back to New Zealand, he'd come back over here, and, stay with us and come out and even in, in his later time he um he was on a, on a walker and he'd still come over here and get me to take him over to the shed and he'd still be showing me acupuncture points and this yeah. and that about things. He was just unreal, like he was 80 odd taffy at the time when he passed away but his mind was as sharp as a tacky, his, his body mm. failed him um, but he was always a vet of the old school, um, but he was always looking for new things. Even though he was 80, he was looking at new things all the time, like acupuncture points and mm. things for bleeding horses and, you know, how, how acupuncture could help them and different things. It was just unbelievable.
1: Jode, you've got one very valued staff member there who's going to take a lot of pressure off you during your three months' uh, rehabilitation. Uh, you've got great regard for the man in question, a stable foreman.
0: Yeah, that's right. His name's um, David Punch and uh, David come to us via Uncle Gary, actually. He was looking for a staff member many years ago and I said, oh, I'll put an ad in and find someone for you and Punchy happened to answer and he was a boy from Leeton, and he went up to Gary's and that's where he started off. He was with Gary for a very long time and he was a great worker to Gary and, and then he, he sort of ventured out. He's a, he's a boilermaker by trade and he worked for Safe Roads for a little while after he left Gary's and then when I... Set up down here. He come down to Craig and I, and, and he's been with us for probably ten years or more. Um, look, he's he's part of our family. Um, he um, he does everything for me, from shoeing a horse to he's here daylight till dawn. He goes at his own speed, but but he's just you know he's part of the family. He's part of the furniture, and and he's there twenty four seven for me. When I got hurt, he's he's away this weekend at a wedding, and he said I wasn't not going to go. And I said you're going to go, punchy going. Um, but he's just, yeah, yeah. Look, he, he's a backbone of our stable.
1: Mm. And another staff member, Olivia Kaon, also does a terrific job.
0: Yeah, Liv. She um, she was a Pony Club girl that came to Craig and I probably about three years ago, and uh, she was with us for a couple of years, at a traineeship, Then she wanted to venture out into the gallopers, and I think she lasted up the road at the. The Lara Rehabilitation Place with the walkers and doing the gallopers for about a month and she tried him one day and begged for her job back. So um, we were happy to take it back and put her on, but she's come a long way in a short time. She drives sort of quite well, whether she'll go to the trials or not, I don't know, but she, um, she sort of, if she stuck to it, she'd be forming material in years to come, yep.
1: And I think you put another young boy on last week too.
0: Um, I've put a fellow on at the moment, he's not young, but <laughs> yeah. um, Mark Colson. So he's just started with us, he's only been here a week. Um, so now that this has happened, he actually started the day I got injured. So um, I had to put someone else on because I've just I've sort of got up in numbers a little bit and now this has happened, I'm not sort of quite sure what way it's going to go. But um, we'll just do our best to get by and, and see how it all plays
1: out. Well, Jode, for a little girl who got physically ill... Every time she got into the sulky, you've come a hell of a long way, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I guess I have, Tappy. Look, I've been really lucky. Um, I've got on the right horses. I've been surrounded by the right people. Um, I've got a, a great lot of family and friends that really support me. And in times like this, um, just been in that hospital, um, people that come through the doors and the amount of people that have rang me and texted me is just overwhelming. Um a fellow, a broadcaster, texts me through Twitter from America. I've never laid eyes on the man, wouldn't know him, and he just sent a private message, and, mm. and the support I've had is just amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, Jode, on the odd occasion that I've uh, been to Melton with horses, the very first local to come and say hello to me each and every time was Jodie Quinlan, and I really appreciated it, and that is one of many reasons why I've called you up at this very tough time in your life uh, to have you as part of our podcast, and I know you're under a fair bit of discomfort, and it's uh, marvellous uh, that you've seen your way clear to talk to us. Thank you so much, Joe no,
0: Thanks so much, Tappy. Um, you're someone I've sort of always looked up to, just sort of watching you through the gallops and things like that, and was lucky enough to meet you sort of when I went up to um, Sydney and raced up there, and... You always gave me the time of day, so no, it's the least I could do. I really appreciate
1: your time. Jade, I'll ring again in a few weeks and make sure you're doing the right thing. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, Jody. Thank you. Monday, April 8th until Wednesday, April 10, 2019 are the dates for the English Australian Easter Yearling Sale, the most important and influential yearling sale in this part of the world. While the final catalogue isn't released until January, it's shaping to be one of the best ever. There's a three-quarter brother to the Autumn Sun, a full brother to Merchant Navy, a half-brother to Shoals, a full brother to Brazen Bow, a three-quarter brother to Lincoln Rupee, a full sister to John Snow, a half brother to Unforgotten, a half sister to Catchy, a half brother to Dun a half brother to I Victory, a half sister to She Will Reign, a three-quarter brother to Seamus Award, and a half brother to Pino. Stallions with progeny in the sale are Snitzel, Fastnet Rock, I Am Invincible, Reduce Choice, Sebring, Piero, and Written. Tycoon. There's a strong international flavour with sires like Lord Canaloa, Deep Impact, Frankel and Tappet. There are 42 siblings to Group 1 winners and the progeny of 35 Group 1 winning mares. The Preview magazine is available now and the final catalogue will be out in January.